Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, Anthony Denmark, Denmark Life and Country, a.k.a. Copenhagen, a.k.a. Demi. And this episode is brought to you by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. And since sports never stop, since sports never sleep, that means we always have something to talk about. And since Mason's back, heck, I'm back, you're back, let's go ahead and discuss the latest happenings in the world of college sports. Let's get it. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Countdown to Kickoff. I'm your host, the one and only, Anthony Denmark. Denmark like the country, and as usual, we have a lot of things on tap for tonight's show. Although we have 130 days until week one of the college football season, we know that although stadiums are empty, there's no tailgating going on anywhere, we do know that there is definitely a lot of news to report on. So without further ado, Let's go ahead and get on with the news. Now, of course, we do know that we have less than 72 hours until the NFL draft, 72 hours until dreams become a reality. However, we also do know that at this particular juncture that teams have less than 72 hours to determine the state of the whole Gary and Conley situation that took place in Cleveland, Ohio. As reported, an allegation of sexual assault or sexual or rape that he was involved in. Now, of course, it's possible that this story could be full of hot air. However, we also know that it is possible that this story could actually be true. Teams have less than 72 hours to determine if, in fact, they will be willing to take on this gentleman, not knowing the state of the situation, we do know that he has yet to be charged. We do know that he has yet to be arrested. But we do also know that stories like this oftentimes find itself being commonplace at this particular junction. However, as I say in time, reveals all. So we're going to see what's happening and we're going to see what's up. What else we got? Well, on a lighter note, I mean, at least in the Big Ten, Jim Harbaugh nearly got arrested in Italy for throwing a football in the mall. He was asked to leave. Nevertheless, the young men down in Michigan are getting a wonderful opportunity uh, to see the world, to get a stamp on their passport, something other than just play football. And that is definitely something that's truly remarkable. However, that's the good news going on. In Ann Arbor, we do know that at least for the sake of Jordan Lewis, who during the offseason has already been alleged or connected to some type of off-field distraction, it's not good news. And then Jabril Peppers found himself coming out positive as he got a diluted sample for marijuana. So we don't know what's going to happen with that. But at least we do know that the young men currently enrolled in Michigan are getting a once-in-a-lifetime experience down in Italy. All we do ask is to Jim Harbaugh, please, please, 
Don't get arrested in Italy while you're there. What else we got? Well, we do know spring games are coming to its end. As literally every college football team around the country are slowly wrapping up spring practices. However, you know, you learn three things during the spring. You learn who's good, you learn who's not, and also, unfortunately, you learn about the depth of your team. As, of course, players are finding out who the surgeons are. As two players for Alabama already had to get two hernia surgeries, Arnett and Jones. We do wish them a a steady recovery. We also do know that Danny Adelink, the quarterback for LSU, he recently had to get minor back surgery. So we do wish these young men a steady recovery. However, we do know that, unfortunately, that comes with football. And when you have injuries, it provides a wonderful opportunity for other players to step up, speak out, and make a name for themselves. So in the case of those guys behind Arnett and Jones in Alabama, and for those plethora of quarterbacks that are behind Danny Edling and LSU, you now have an opportunity. Capitalize on it, or you may find yourself back on up our breaking news segment. Now, of course, on tonight's show, we have a lot of things on tap. I'm excited. I'm overjoyed. We're going to, of course, talk about the NFL draft. How can you not talk about the NFL draft? In addition to that, we're going to talk about some of my spring game observations. Uh, We're going to talk specifically about the games that took place this past weekend. We do know that Tennessee had a spring game. We do know Penn State had a spring game. We do know LSU had a spring game. And, of course, we do know that Alabama and Georgia also had spring games. There are, of course, highlights in each of these games. Of course, most of the attention was primarily focused on all of these jobs based off of the quarterback play. We saw down in Georgia, it seems as if uh, the quarterback from Washington Recruited himself. Of course, he had to when you have a five-star quarterback who came to Athens not to hold a clipboard or to redshirt. He had to come out and perform, and he did quite well. Now, of course, down in Alabama, you have a similar situation. And uh, although Tua came all the way from the Pacific Ocean, traveled to the mainland and traveled all the way from one coast to the other, it seemed as if his tenure as the eventual starting quarterback at Alabama may just have to wait a season or may have to wait just a few games, as Jalen Hurts definitely did quite well. He, of course, showed us remarkable strides that he's made as a passer. It's very encouraging. And, of course, Tua also did really well himself. So although there may not be a quarterback competition in 2017, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, you know that there is definitely one that's going to be brewing in 2018. Now, of course, down in Happy Valley, due to weather, you know, there really wasn't much of a spring game. But nevertheless, we got an opportunity to see Tracy McShorley for a brief moment, and he did quite well. Showed us that, of course, he will definitely be slinging them arrows this upcoming season. Uh, Nevertheless, we do are looking to see what happens with Penn State, looking to see how they go about replacing the questions along their defensive line, as most of the defensive players along the line anyway, of course, unfortunately, either graduated or about to hear their name called sometime later in the NFL draft. So kudos, congratulations, and 
Arrivederci. Now, another spring game that happened also this past week uh, was Notre Dame. Notre Dame, of course, know, we know who their quarterback is. We do know that Wynn Bush has waited and waited and waited again. And, of course, he definitely is being relied on heavily despite the fact that he has literally no experience. But, nevertheless, he, of course, performed like a veteran. But our eyes and our attention and our focus, at least when it comes to the Golden Domers, we wanted to see how the team was going to look different. We wanted to see how their bodies were going to look. As this entire offseason, we've been seeing pictures being retweeted on Twitter and on Snapchat, on Instagram, of these players literally having their bodies changed based off of the commitment that Notre Dame has finally made to their strength and conditioning program. So we're going to see how that ultimately ends up playing out. They definitely did not look as impressive in the spring game. But nevertheless, Winbush didn't get hurt. Winbush showed some strides. And Brian Kelly's face did not get red. So those are very two positive, encouraging developments to watch in Notre Dame. Now, in Tennessee, now, that was one of the interesting uh, spring games. Of course, we do not know the quarterback situation. We do know that you have Dormandy, and you also have the gentleman from New Jersey. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. It starts with a G. He, of course, they both played quite well, but it seems as if Dormandy, at least at this particular juncture, appears to be poised to start the season as a starter. And we do know that all the weapons and all the talent that Butch Jones has recruited, they look good. In uniforms, they look good against Tennessee volunteer defense. But we are 130 days away from seeing how good they look against someone else. So those are all encouraging developments that I at least observed over this past weekend when I, of course, found myself fulfilling my college football urge by watching these spring games. And, of course, I did wish and aspire to be one of the news reporters down at Happy Valley that found himself fortunate enough to be able to field punts as James Franklin provided these news reporters an opportunity to do. But, you know, nevertheless, that's in Happy Valley, and I'm all the way in uh, Palmetto State. But those are our reviews of the past spring games. Now, of course, one of the things that's awesome and one of the things that's often encouraging about spring games is it provides a wonderful opportunity to remind us about these players who got scholarships. They got scholarships for a reason, and it wasn't just because they were just handing them out to anybody. They got them because they actually were talented and, you know, they actually had opportunities to go elsewhere. But as of yet, they have yet to be able to fulfill the tremendous opp- tremendous talent that recruiters from all over this country at one point in time were salivating over. So one of the things that's interesting about the spring and one of the schools that we're going to be talking about specifically tonight is uh, we're going to be talking about LSU. Now, of course, I consider the state of Louisiana to be my second home. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Nevertheless, we do know that love will only get you so far. Love and adulation. Got Les Miles his fair share of years down in Baton Rouge, but love does not guarantee you wins. Love does not ensure that you will have job security. Definitely is something that's much harder for you to be able to 
maintain when, of course, you find yourself in the SEC West and you find yourself at a current coach that was held by another coach who, of course, won five national championships and, of course, plays in your same conference, competes with you for recruits, and oftentimes finds itself always dimming your shine, dimming the impressive amount of accomplishment that you may have amassed during your time at LSU. Nevertheless, there's a new era now in LSU, and although you may not be able to understand anything that he said, Coach Ed, of course, went from being an interim coach, and he, of course, has gained a reputation as being a recruiter during his time at USC, during his time at Ole Miss as a head coach, during his time at Tennessee, and, of course, during his time as a defensive line coach at LSU. But now, after having the interim tag removed, he's now the head guy in charge. He's the guy calling all the shots. He got passed over at USC, and even though it seems right now that may have been the best decision for USC, we're now going to find out quite quickly if deciding to anoint him as the head coach was the best decision for LSU. Now, of course, it was definitely a more financially beneficial decision as, of course, they paid Coach Ed a considerably less amount compared to what they may have had to pay Tom Herman, but nevertheless, he's the guy. The Raging Cajun is the guy. And although I'm more than sure that the offseason could have gone a lot better, I'm sure Coach Ed would not have liked to have to hear his name immersed in situations of possibly being boycotted in the same state that, of course, he relies on so heavily to be able to bring recruits in. I'm more than sure that Coach Ed did not want to have to have itself asking questions in regards to what actually happened with Leonard Fournette and why did Leonard Fournette actually not play in the bowl game? Was it your doing? Was it Fournette's doing? And whose decision was it? It seems as if normally you have a honeymoon phase. And it seems as if for the sake of Coach Ed, unlike Tom Herman, who bashes down lockers and putting pee meters near the urinals in the locker rooms and doing all types of fun and crazy things to try to build momentum and trying to state the claim of the Texas Long Home Program as his own. It seems as if Coach Ed really has not been given an opportunity to do his thing. But nevertheless, we do know that love in the state of Louisiana is something that's not given is something that is earned with wins. And although the LSU Tigers definitely ended the season on a high guys doing big things, my man squatted 583 pounds today, did big things, winning the season, ending the season with a bold victory. Nevertheless, the eyes of LSU, the eyes of everybody in Happy Valley, their eyes are on. I'm sorry, Death Valley. Their eyes are on 130 days from now. When Coach O said that he's going to bring in the best offensive coordinator in the country, that the offense that has its fair share of talent, of embarrassment of riches at every position, is going to finally be able to produce something. They brought in Canada from Pittsburgh, so the expectation was, you got the guy. 
you got the pieces. But thus far in the spring game, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't come, I didn't watch to see what the defense was going to do. I was watching to see what the offense was going to produce. And although I did see my fair share of jet sweeps, I really did not see a quarterback stretch in the field. And that, for me, brings about a tremendous cause for concern. And I'm more than sure that those in Death Valley also find themselves deeply troubled, deeply concerned, and tremendously worried that haven't we already seen this before? Are they already lowering expectations? Are they already prepared to be disappointed? Don't get me wrong, the defense, of course, is dominant, has always been dominant, but come on, man. Where's the O, Coach O? And I know that maybe asking this during the spring is maybe asking a tad too much, but come on, Coach O. Where's the O? In the spring game, Danny Edling, of course, encouraged us with his first drive, and everybody was like, yeah, yeah. But then everything went all downhill from there. But you can hear my rants, or in order to get some type of elixir to find out what the cure is to my concerns and the concerns of those in Death Valley about the state of LSU and their offense and the recruits who are looking at the offense, let's go ahead and get Donovan James on the line. He writes for a Death Valley voice covering LSU to find out what's happening and what's up in Death Valley. Man, how's it, how's it going, man? Welcome Doing all right? It's going good. It's going good. Now, of course, uh, we do glad know to have this you past on. Week, glad to have me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, of course, we know this past weekend, uh, we got our first glimpse of the much-anticipated, highly-awaited LSU offense. And uh, what was your thoughts? Because I, I was a little bit concerned. Oh, of course. I mean, <laughs> I was a little concerned as well. Uh you know, I mean, Edley, I heard he came in on you mentioning, you know, hit him, you know, throwing the ball down until the first draft. But, oh, I mean, yeah, LSU and Canada, I mean, the they got guys. You know, we know that he's a Heisman candidate coming into the season, and that's going to be good for the purple and gold. But it was a struggle, man. I mean, you know, I know the rain happened too, they move it indoors. But, I mean, the quarterback situation is not great. Edley's projected to be the starter, of course. You got McMillan and Scott and Narcisse, and then uh, Miles Brennan coming in too. But, you know, Edling, I think if he can just hold it down and be efficient, um, I think it was 11 to 5 last year, turnover interception ratio. Um, if he can get that up to maybe about 20 and they can trust him in the red zone and still keep the five interceptions, get his uh, com- completion percentage up, that would be great. But yeah, all, I mean, they, they didn't look great, like you said. <laughs> um, kind of some struggles at young wide receiver core, tight end core. So, you know, lost a lot on the outside, um, of course, in the draft. So. It's going to be a struggle a little bit. He's going to have to get this new offense in. But uh, got got some time coming up to do that. Absolutely. Now, of course, you know, maybe to a a degree it's a kind of unfair assessment. I mean, we do know that LSU's defense is traditionally dominant. And we do know that ultimately, I mean, you're putting in a new system. You got new guys all learning it. And so maybe we need to approach the situation with just a tad bit of patience. But, I mean, the expectation, I mean, you got recruits in wait-and-see mode right now, quarterbacks trying to figure out, okay, 
what is the state of the LSU program in regards to the offensive side of the ball? And I think that Coach O kind of is responsible. He kind of he built it up. And uh, but nevertheless, one of my concerns and questions it seems as if everybody's kind of put a lot of pressure on Miles Brennan being the answer. Now, of course, he did his thing down in Mississippi, but I mean, this little freshman, he's not even there yet, and it seems as if all hopes and prayers are being placed on him being the next Joe Montana because adding, of course, <laughs> we've seen what he's had to offer. Narcisse is still recovering from his ACL. I mean, is Brendan the answer, or are we just in a wait-and-see mode right now? You know, I've been a big fan of Miles Brennan for a while. What I did write on fan side was that Miles Brennan could be the next LSU superstar quarterback. He's not there yet, but seeing him uh, at the Elite 11 beginning of the season to now, he's gotten so much better. Um, he still needs to get bigger. You know, he's small. He's only 181 <laughs> on weight, six three and a half. But uh, watching him at the Under Armour American game, too, reads really well. Um coming from a shotgun spread offense, so he's going to have to get used to that. It's going to be a learning curve. I wouldn't say he's going to – I don't think he's going to start. I don't think he's going to save the program or anything yet, but I think he will be a star, but not yet. They're going to have to wait on him. He needs a little bit of seasoning first before he gets out there. I wouldn't throw him in the system yet, but uh, we'll see. I mean, he's got – he put up crazy numbers this year. Um, he was the runner-up behind Cam Akers from Florida State and uh, Gatorade Player of the Year in Mississippi. So, really talented. Took through 59 touchdowns, I believe, this year. So, he's he's got it all, man. He just needs to get a little better at certain things. But uh, I know he can't wait to hit the practice field. He's, I, I follow him on Snapchat, actually, and he's always there. He's always uh, around the LSU program. But he'll be there soon, and uh, he'll have a shot for sure to come in. He's only 18. Just turned 18 this month, too. So, young, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Donovan James. He covers the LSU Tigers for DeathValleyVoice.com. Now, of course, we do know, I mean, let's be real, the defense looked good. And, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, it seems as if there's just an assembly line in the secondary where we're just seeing guys constantly. They lose a guy, of course, Jamal Adams. They're going to lose a lot of other – they lost, lost Tolliver. I mean, tell me about some of these guys who really uh, made some, made a name for themselves during the spring who, of course, may find themselves hearing their name called in a draft in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, LSU's always got, <laughs> you know, top defensive players, like you said. I mean, every year, their DBU, I mean, you, get, you there's a lot of teams that want to claim that, but LSU can. Um, <laughs> they're one of the teams that can, so. Obviously, a defensive bat, they're losing a lot. And like you said up front, um, Arden Key's got, you know, some kind of off-the-field stuff too. So, But their defense is fine. Um, they've got guys all over. This year, um, I think their defense is going to be better, actually. I think it might be one of the better defenses they've had on paper for a while just because of the depth overall. Um, Coach O having control over the whole team this year helps. I mean, obviously, with less, they're a great team. They want a title. But, um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, DeAndre Clark looked really good. I, I, I was, you know, impressed by him. Um, I know Xavier Lewis and uh, Dante Jackson, uh, Kevin Tall, or excuse me, Savion Smith, too. Uh, Eric Monroe, their secondary is going to be nasty. I love Monroe and Savion Smith, my IMG Academy. Um, and another guy that's going to make a big impact is uh, Rashawn Thornton, the redshirt freshman, too, outside linebacker. I think he'll end up making a big impact. And he had a pretty good day at the office um, last Saturday. And a kind of wrestling Cash. match, sloppy game. but <laughs> Now, of course, you mentioned Arden Key, who, in my opinion, may be the most uh, – I mean, the most talented defensive player probably in the entire SEC. Now, of course, during the offseason – well, we're still in the offseason. He, of course, took some time 
away from the football team. According to social media, he's thrown some hints that he's going to be, he may be coming back. What's the state of the situation with Arden Key? I mean, he, of course, we do know that football is not everything, but of course, we do know that his presence has definitely been missed during the spring and would definitely be missed during the season if, in fact, he doesn't return. Well, his dad said he's fine. Um, his father, I know, said he's fine. He's healthy. Um, just needed time to step away for a little bit. So I think he will come back. Um, I think the specula- speculation will be over towards more the beginning of the season, like July-ish, August, beginning of August. I think he'll come back. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> – it's funny because, I mean, he's such a highly freakish athlete and such a high prospect. I know uh, Walter Spensky at WalterFootball.com has him. He's uh, the fourth-best de- defensive end in the country. So – you know, he's going to be a first, second-round pick uh, at worst. And uh, we'll see. I mean, I know he's not, you know, no conditioning drills and things like that, but I think he'll find a place back on the football field. But Coach O doesn't really play that type of – he's old school, you know, Coach O. Is, and we'll see how how that goes. I mean, him missing all this time and other guys kind of stepping up is going to be good. But if he needs time to get his head together, you can't really knock a kid for that. He's 20 years old. He's getting his head together. He's got some stuff going off the field. We don't know the details, so – until we find all the details, you know, I would have welcomed him back on arms. You can't get another Arden Key. It's hard to find a guy like that. So, um, you know, you let him clear his head, and then he comes back uh, hopefully, you know, late July, early August, hopefully sooner than that. Absolutely. Now, of course, we do know that, I mean, for most people, for most coaches, during your first year as, as, as the head man in charge, you kind of get a honeymoon phase. I mean, from the destroying lockers with hammers and, over here doing all types of outlandish and crazy things down in uh, 40 acres. But it seems as if the honeymoon phase, at least for uh, Coach O, is already over. I mean, when you really think about it, I mean, what is the expectation for uh, LSU? Because it seems as if uh, people are appear to be more measured, more realistic, as opposed to already talking national champions and winning the SEC West and beating Nick Saban and all those other things that, of course, LSU fans love to hear. Right. I mean, LSU, you know, honeymoon phase is over because, you know, when he took over, I was in the middle of the season. So it's not like a new coach. He's been around the block. He's, like I said, an older guy. Um, this is probably his last shot at a big-time program like this, a power five, to be the man. And I wish him the best of luck. But, however, I mean, he's got some pressure on him. I think that um, LSU is always in the running. They always should be considered to be a team that can win the national title, win the SEC West, win the SEC, things like that, because their defense, the way they recruit, um, has never stopped. Uh, it doesn't matter how many games they've won or lack thereof on offense. They've always been able to recruit well. Um, so the expectations are going to be high because they're bringing these five four-star guys. Um, Coach O's expectations this year for me, um, I don't have my, the schedule right in front of me, but I would say he's gonna, they just got a little better on offense for a while. Um, that hire was good. You got know, random, of course, on the other side. They just need to win like nine or ten games. I think it's first year. They can get away with that. After that, man, yeah, it's going to be expected to be 12, 13 every year. <laughs> you know, that's just how it is. Life in the SEC every week is tough, and uh, he's going to have not have it easy at all. doesn't matter how he just got there and everything. But Again, I'm on the line with Donovan James. He covers the LSU Tigers for DeathValleyVoice.com. Now, of course, you did mention that Coach O has been around the block, and that's definitely an understatement. Of course, he started at Ole Miss, went to Tennessee, went to USC, then came back to LSU. How has he approached uh, the head coaching job differently 
as opposed to, you know, during his time during his first job uh, at Ole Miss. How are things different? I think that when he was at SC um, and didn't get the nod there and did a great job actually with SC, that kind of changed my perspective on Coach O. And I've changed, his, his, you know, his style of coaching. He coaches like it's his last time ever going out there. I love the way he coaches. Everybody does his style and everything. He's 55 years old, though. I mean, like I said, it's probably his last chance at a Power 5 big school like this. Um, overall, I just think that getting a staff together um, is the most important thing that he's done. Like, getting a full staff together. Coach O is more of a recruiter. He's great with the D-line, of course, in the defense, but a great recruiter, uh, one of the best in the history of recruiting. And, you know, I mean, he's a defensive guy. He's got a full staff together now. He didn't do that at Ole Miss. Uh, I feel like he kind of took on too much. Um, he knows who he is now. Um, good recruiter, a pump-up guy. Get you fired up for the games. If you're down by 20 at halftime, you can trust Coach O to get you back in the game just with his presence alone. So I think that's the big deal. He knows what he what he can do now. He knows who he is and got to get staff together um, fully around. To, to me, Ole Miss staff, or excuse me, sorry, no, Ole Miss LSU staff is really, really good and well-rounded thing he's done so far there. Absolutely. I want to thank you for coming on to the show. We have 130 days until week one of the college football season. The honeymoon phase is over down in Death Valley, but the wins are expected. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thank you, man. Have a good night. Absolutely. Now, of course, one of the things that's interesting about one of the things that's interesting about LSU right now, of course, again, thank Donovan James for coming on to the show. Be sure and check out some of his latest work on DeathValleyVoice.com or SB Nation. Now, of course, one of the things that's interesting about Coach O is his calling card. His calling card is defense. His calling card is specifically the defensive line. And in this upcoming in 72 hours, there's going to be an NFL draft. And there's going to likely be three LSU Tigers selected in the first round. Tolliver, Jamal Adams, and, of course, Leonard Fournette. But you know what's missing? The defensive lineman. For so many years, when LSU was at the height of its program success, winning SEC titles, contending for national championships, whenever that NFL draft time came along, it became a foregone conclusion that you were going to hear the name of a defensive lineman from LSU being called. If it wasn't Clint Dor- if it wasn't Glenn Dorsey, if it wasn't this, uh, an array of defensive linemen being called in the first round from LSU. But since LSU has begun its gradual decline towards mediocrity, the talent of the defensive line has all but disappeared. Now, of course, the hope, the prayer, the expectation as LSU reemerges under Coach O that Coach O's specialty, which is the defensive line, that you will one day again hear an LSU defensive lineman being called in the first round. Now, of course, it will not be in 2017, and it likely may not be in 2018. But we do know that the talent is there. We do know that you have a coach that's there that specializes in the defensive line. But the question remains. You got the coach. You have the talent, but will you produce the results? In 72 hours, ladies and gentlemen, 
young men who, of course, started the game as early as the age of three and four years old, fulfilled their lifelong dreams. I'm hearing their names called by the NFL commissioner, by getting an opportunity to wear a cap and a jersey, to shed a tear with their mama, and be able to fulfill a lifelong dream. However, before those 72 hours arrive, year after year, it's like clockwork. There's always somebody. There's always some story. There's always some leak that finds itself emerging itself during that time. Laramie Tunzel, who had his Instagram allegedly hacked by an individual who felt as if he was being left out and was not going to get his cut of the Laramie Tunzel pie. The year before that, it was an allegation of a fiancé with Odell Beckham Jr., uh, who, of course, came from LSU. That allegation ended up coming out to be false. Staying with LSU, last year there was an incident with Lyle Collins, who was projected to be a first-round pick. However, within that span of 72 hours before his name was supposed to be called by Roger Goodell, found his name implicated in some type of crime. Although he was later exonerated and cleared of all charges, the draft was open. He went undrafted. And he found himself, although with the Dallas Cowboys and although he definitely did get some type of signing bonus, it pales in comparison to what he may have gotten if, in fact, the incident didn't occur if, in fact, his name was not attached to it, and if, in fact, the incident would have occurred possibly with more time for him to be exonerated before the draft. And now, like clockwork, like clockwork, the week of the draft, Ohio State redshirt sophomore Gary and Conley finds himself in a similar situation to Lyle Collins, finds himself in a situation as Laramie Tunzel, as he finds himself being implicated in a charge of sexual assault or rape. Now, of course, we do know that Gary and Conley has not been charged. Gary and Conley has not even been arrested. Nevertheless, we do know that although you may say that everybody is innocent until proven guilty, unfortunately we do know that in the court of public opinion, we do know that ultimately you are guilty until proven innocent. And with a window of only 72 hours, Gary and Conley, who expected to hear his name called in the first round of the draft, will almost certainly not hear his name. Decision makers from 32 NFL teams, are being forced to make a split decision without having all the facts. Now, it's very quite possible that Gary and Conley could find himself clear of all charges like Lyle Collins was. But Lyle Collins wasn't cleared until after the NFL draft was over. And it's also very possible 
that Gary Conley could be actually guilty. And in that case, due to the fact that you really do not know, you don't know if he's lying, you don't know if the young lady's lying. We know that you're placed in a situation in which there's a billion-dollar franchise with jobs and lives and families all hanging in the balance. The makers in the front offices are going to have to make the decision that they made with Lyle Collins and pass. Because regardless of how talented you are, regardless of how much of a difference you may actually be able to make on a particular team, until you present facts, verifiable facts, no team would be, a team would be irresponsible to just blindly make a decision. But of course, of course, ladies, I say in life, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, again, like I say, I, for one, live by the philosophy of choosing not to pass judgment on anybody. I believe it's important to allow the justice system to play its course. And at that particular time, the answers reveal itself on its own. When you choose to not wait, you can find yourself in a very, very compromising situation. But nevertheless, if Gary Conley is innocent, you have to say to yourself, did he make a poor decision in putting himself in such a compromising situation knowing that on April 9th he was only weeks away from being able to provide for both his family and for himself for the for, for generations to come? But, you know, we're going to find out very soon. We're going to find out very, very soon. However, I'm more than certain that you will not find out within 72 hours. Nevertheless, like I said, you find out other little tidbits of secrets. And it's often quite confounding how you found out, we found out about the diluted sample of Jabril Peppers. We found out about the diluted sample of Reuben Foster. We found out, unfortunately, about Dante Foreman, the talented Dope Walk, Walker winner, uh, running back from Texas who revealed that his uh, he lost a child during the season last year. We find out about Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette scoring an 11 on the Wonder List. We found out all these things by coincidence during draft week. And in some situations, you say that these players are definitely not to blame. When I look at the Wonderlick scores, I find myself pointing the finger at the colleges, the high schools, to which these young men find themselves going to and saying that they, do, to some point or degree, deserve some form of accountability because some scores, in my own opinion, are just completely unacceptable. However, we do know that whenever you find yourself talking about Wonderlick scores, you can always say, well, Dan Marino made a 13. He became a Hall of Famer. So what does the Wonderlick score tell you? Nevertheless, 
Nevertheless, we're only 72 hours away from the NFL draft, and I'm excited. For me, I have watched the NFL draft since I was 10 years old. I remember in college, me and my friends, we would go to the gym, order food, and literally stay there all day in Archer Hall at Morehouse College and watch the draft in between sets, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Now, of course, the location have changed, but the passion, I'm more than sure what most draft fans are the same. We all, of course, look for 70 and 72 hours for our teams that we cover and care and root for so passionately to be able to finally get that player to make a difference, to be able to finally acquire that one missing piece that will finally help us win a championship, that will finally help us be able to begin that rightful ascension back to respectability. However, let's be real, man. The good thing about the draft is there's always another draft. So if, in fact, you screw it up like the Cleveland Browns have done for 23 quarterbacks, you get another draft and get it right. So in 72 hours, 32 teams are going to try to see it right. But in hindsight, most of them will get it wrong. And the funny thing about it is there's so many selections that if, in fact, you happen to strike gold on an undrafted free agent, then you go ahead and say that you had a good draft. But nevertheless, I'm excited, and I'm more than sure that you guys are excited. I love watching the families be able to share this moment. It serves as a culmination of so many family members who sacrificed so much for their sons to be able to make it to this point. The mothers who, of course, worked several jobs. The mothers who decided to go without to provide for their sons. The fathers who decided to work extra late shifts. This serves as a culmination for all of their sacrifice. And I, for one, am more than overjoyed. Of course, I'm hoping and praying that my Pittsburgh Steelers go ahead and do what's necessary, avoid the temptations of being able to try to add a another so-called talented SEC linebacker slash defensive end like they've done and failed year in and year out. I pray that finally, that finally, that my Pittsburgh Steelers will actually try to do what they did last year, which is buck the trend, and actually acquire maybe another defensive back. But again, we all enter into the draft with so many questions. We all enter into the draft with so many expectations. We all enter into the draft with so much hope that our team will finally do what is necessary to find itself hosting up the Lombardi Trophy in January. 72 hours, ladies and gentlemen. 72 hours, dreams will be realized. Unfortunately, dreams will also be crushed. Let's enjoy these 72 hours. To the players who are counting down to this day, try to think about those 72 hours and try to use them wisely and not do something to mess up the dream and the people who sacrifice for you to be able to accomplish that dream. Thank you guys for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Talk to you guys in 72 hours about the draft. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Our show airs live every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If, in fact, you missed the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast 
by typing in count and the number two and down. One word. While you're at it, make sure you also follow the latest happenings in the world of sport with us at Eat, Drink, Sleep, Sports and the number two. And you know what? If you've gone that far, be sure and check out our website for the latest happenings as well at EatDrinkSleepSports.com. Until next time, college sports football fans, stay tuned. I know I will. Peace.